Hello, and welcome to League One Fun. Yes, that was my homage to Daryl Grove of the Total Soccer Show. In case you haven't heard, Daryl's fight with liver cancer has taken a turn for the worse. I encourage you to listen to his co-host Taylor Rockwell's latest show. Everyone at the Beautiful Game Network and League One Fun send our thoughts and prayers to Daryl, his family, and friends. Daryl loves soccer, and I'm sure he wants us all to learn more about the beautiful game. So on today's show, I speak with Greenville Triumph's captain and left-back Tyler Pollock. We cover a lot of ground about their top-of-the-table performance this season and their return to the USL League One final. After Tyler, you'll hear some silence and then a replay of my interview with Daryl Grove from the United Soccer Coaches Convention this past January. First, here's me speaking with Tyler about Greenville's spectacular season so far. I'm Ira Jersey with an interview special. The Greenville Triumph have made the USL League One Finals once again. And to celebrate that milestone, we're bringing on Tyler Pollock, the captain of the Greenville Triumph. Tyler, thanks very much for coming back on League One Fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. So first, let's talk about this season and how it's gone so far. So, so two things that you know, we've noticed is, one, you guys have stayed very healthy this year, which at times was a problem uh, last year for you guys, particularly down the stretch, uh, obviously shorter season this year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, how, how have you guys been able to stay healthy, you know, not have some of the COVID issues that some of the other teams have had, um, and, uh, as well as just being physically fit? Uh, yeah, um, I think it just comes down to discipline of the team. Um, you know, we, we had a meeting before the season, uh, just talking about how we need to be, you know, not just switched on, on the field, but being disciplined off the field as well. Um, and I think that goes with, you know, different states, uh, that you live in, uh, there might be more relaxed codes or regulations. Um, I think, you know, here we did a pretty good job, uh, as far as staying healthy and, Limiting guys getting getting the virus. Uh, I think we did a good job. And then as far as just staying healthy on the field, I think guys did a really good job as far as getting into the gym when they needed to, um, you know, doing yoga uh, if possible. Um, and, yeah, just staying disciplined and doing your best to stay healthy. And I think we've done a great job. And we have good depth this year as well. So that's, that's helped as well. So talk a little bit about some of that depth. You know, you brought in a few new pieces, obviously a few pieces left. So, you know, one of the big pieces that left went to uh, uh, Hartford Athletic last year, but you brought in, mm-hmm. um, you, know, new, uh, you know, new players on the back line. Talk about how from a defensive aspect, which is certainly one of the strongest pieces of, uh, of Greenville's uh, uh, game day, uh, talk about how it is, you know, integrating new people and how you guys have been so locked down this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to uh, John bringing in the right, the right guys uh, with the right mentalities. Um, with Ben Frick, um, obviously a big piece for Lansing last year. Um, and obviously losing Kevin Pollitz to Hartford um, hurt, but bringing Brandon Frick and he fit in great, great mentality, uh, great willingness uh, to make plays and put his body on the line. Um, Cesar Murillo as well. Uh, Abdi Muhammad, uh, and then Harry a little bit later, and then uh, Matt as well. So uh, I think just the guys he's brought in, it fits perfectly with what we have had. Um, and with Dallas making big saves in the 
first couple games where we might have been a little lax and he kind of bailed us out in a sense. Um, but I think our team takes a lot of pride in, in getting clean sheets. Uh, we've gotten a decent amount this year, and every game that's the mindset is just to keep them at zero. Um, especially with the attack we have, we know if we keep it at zero, we have a really good chance of, of winning the game. So, yeah, and obviously, you know, there's been games where Dallas hasn't had to make a single save. So that's a testament to mm-hmm. you guys on, on the back line. H- how much in training and outside of uh, game day do you guys work on your defensive shape and, and worrying about, um, you know, maybe your next opponent and, you know, that one or two attackers that you guys really have to look out for? Yeah, we definitely uh, talk not just on the field, but um, in the locker room and what we can do and what the, the opposition brings to the table. Uh, doing film and scout, um, just as the back line has been pretty pretty new to us this year. We didn't do it as much last year, but we've been doing more this year. It's just the back line and just really nitpicking little things where we could work on where it's not a, a big deal, but um, I think it's something where we look at it and we nitpick little things and we, we try to perfect it um, as best as we can. So let's go back just just a second. We talked about health, and and you know one of the odder things this season, obviously with the coronavirus crisis going on, has mm-hmm. been some of the travel and the travel restrictions. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, can you talk to us a little bit about what some of that travel's been like? You guys just took a trip out to uh, Tucson. You you took just about everybody. I mean, it was I, I was a little bit surprised. And one of the things I'm going to ask Coach Harks about is is you know the decision to to bring everyone instead of leaving a few guys maybe back uh, back home on on that trip. But but talk about what the travels been like this year compared to last year doing the similar trips. Yeah, I mean we're a little bit more cautious. Obviously, um, we haven't had to do too much air travel, which has been a positive for us. Um, but just being cautious on those those uh, flights. Um, staying diligent wearing your masks um, and kind of trying to limit yourself with other interactions. Um, but I think it's probably been the hardest thing for people, uh, especially when they go to cities or states where family might be going to the game and visiting. And, you know, you got to kind of limit your contact with them uh, just so you can, you know, keep it within our bubble, our 40 person bubble. Um, so I think it's really been the hardest thing for guys is just as far as seeing family out there. Um, and then food-wise, it's all kind of catered in, um, prepped. For, everybody has their own little, you know, kind of lunch or dinner uh, for themselves. It's not um, a buffet or anything like that. Um, but everything else has been somewhat uh, normal in that aspect, which is pretty crazy. So... You're the captain of the team. Um, you know that uh, probably a pretty big honor to be uh, um, to be named the captain. What is unique about being the captain on a team like Greenville, where you have you know you have some pretty big personalities on the team for sure? Um, so, so what kinds of things do you have to do as captain of, of this team, and and you know um, just keeping uh, the guys focused on uh, on obviously wanting to win that final that you guys have already made. Yeah, I mean, I, we have a lot of returning guys from last year. Um, so I think we all have that kind of bitter edge to us that uh, we lost in the final and we, we really want to win it this year. Um, so I think guys are really focused. Uh, and honestly, I, I don't have to do much. Uh, I also have Aaron Walker as a co-captain as well. Um, so we kind of 
uh, uh, kind of divvy up the load a little bit as far as, you know, communicating to the guys, making, making sure everybody's good mentally, um, especially right now, like you said, in, in this kind of pandemic, uh, making sure everybody's good. Um, but honestly, they, these guys come into work every day and, and, and put that work in. Um, so it makes my job really easy as far as being a captain. Uh, I, I think for me, it's more leading by action and, um, hopefully they, they follow suit and they have been doing it all season. So let's talk a little bit about your personal gameplay. So one of the things that I, uh, I've often wondered and you as an outside back who gets up into the attack frequently, um, as well as obviously comes back and, and man marks and, and defends your, your space, depending on what you're asked to do in that mm-hmm. particular situation. When do you make that decision? Like, like, is there a, a kind of decision-making process on when to go, when to overlap, when to underlap versus kind of hanging back a little bit to be an outlet and when, uh, when the team's pushing forward? Yeah, I mean, that's, I think it depends on each play, obviously, uh, depending where they're set up, uh, where my outside mid is. Um, but obviously, I want to give support to my outside mids, and it might be a time in the game where, uh, Omar or Alex Morel have been very dangerous 1v1 so I'll, I'll kind of just hang back and let them run at their their outside back and, and cause havoc uh, or if there's an opportunity where I see there could be an overload a 2v1 uh, an overlap um, it, it all depends but I, I try to just read read the situation and obviously how I'm feeling in the game if I'm tired I might might hang back a little bit um, but it's more just creating creating controlled chaos uh, for the opponent. I'm just trying to free up other people to get the ball and get guys in good spots. And so obviously you guys have now played just about everyone. You only have a couple of games left, um, another point, and you mm-hmm. guarantee yourself the, uh, um, the, the home match for the final. Who, when you were preparing for some of the matches down the stretch here where you wound up with, uh, I think you had four shutouts in a row, um, obviously went out to mm-hmm. Tucson, and, and I think that might have been the first multi-goal game in two months that you guys um, mm-hmm. let up. But but who who is kind of, did you have to do the most preparation for, like knowing that, hey, here's the, you know, here's the attacker that's coming at me that I have to be most concerned about on the defensive side of the um, of the play? Is there, is there was there anyone on North Texas or Fort Lauderdale? Like some of these teams have some serious attacking talent. So who kind of who kind of mm-hmm. did you have to prepare for the most? Honestly, I think it was Tucson. Um, just because they were a little bit lower on the table, um, and just looking at their track record, I think they were a team that maybe deserved a little bit more. Um, and they got a lot of players that just rotate and just make you really defend I mean you got to talk to your teammates whether you're staying with the guy or passing them on I thought they did a really good job as far as keeping us on the move and really testing us um so that was a, a scout that that we really went in depth with um just as far as trying to organize what we're going to do um and like I said just their results hadn't gone their way and they're, they're a very very decent team uh unfortunately they just couldn't get the results um but they're they're dangerous 
And and finally, you know, now that you guys know that you're in the final and there's three or four teams, um, you know, is there is there one team that you think you'd prefer to to play? Whether it's because of uh, you know local rivalry or a team that you think you match up against that you'd like to see out of the you know three or four. So you, you basically have North Texas, uh, Omaha, Chattanooga, or Richmond seem to be the the, the four that are most likely mm-hmm. to make the finals with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a preference. Uh, I think um, I think either way, it's going to be a good game. And I, the way we're kind of playing right now, I like I like our odds um, up against anybody. But I think it would be fun for ourselves and uh, fans around the league to see a, a rematch um, with North Texas. I think that would be fun to play them in the in the final and and see what happens. Yeah, we were uh, we were lamenting on our last show that it would be great if there was a four team playoff again because then it'd be you against North Texas right now in the uh, yeah. um, in the semifinals and that would be a great semifinal and then you'd have Omaha versus Richmond in the finals and that that would or in the other semifinal and that would be fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be unbelievable. Tyler Pollock, thank you very much for coming back on League One Fun. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to League One Fun. We have the other half of the Total Soccer Show with us now, Daryl Grove, who's a, uh, I don't know, we, you know, I, I went to the University of Birmingham, you went to the University of Birmingham. Yeah. But you're you're not a Brummie, though. So no, from we, the, the black country. The, yeah. So the, so describe where you grew up in, uh, you, you follow Wolverhampton Wanderers, that's yep. your team. Everyone calls it Wolves, but they're really yeah. the Wanderers. They are. Know. But even Wolves fans call it, they, we call ourselves Wolves. The, the Wolves, yeah. okay. We're, but, just, we're just not the Wolverhampton Wolves, which is the big uh, gotcha. mistake. That's what everyone make. does. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, very, very important, right, if you're a Premier League uh, supporter. Um, but but you didn't actually grow up in Wolverhampton proper, right? You grew no. up in, in one of the suburbs? Yeah, so I'm from like, not really a suburb, but like a smallish town between Wolverhampton and Birmingham. Okay. Suburbs makes it sound nicer than it was. Right, so not Sully Hall <laughs> or one of those no. areas. See, I'm, I'm getting really geeking out on my, my Birmingham connection. Um, and so, so I did a postgraduate at the University of Birmingham uh, in international studies, and I finished in 1994. Okay. And when did you start? So I did my undergraduate there from 98 to 2001. Okay, so you're a kid. I get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, way younger than me. Um, after after you finished at Birmingham, uh, did you come immediately to the States? Or what was no, your progression? No, I went yeah. to... Um, do you remember the uh, the car factory at Long I Beach? do. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, so, well, well so, so Birmingham was known for a couple of things. The Cadbury factory was the yeah. big one that everyone knew. But yeah, they also had the car car factory. Yeah. So yeah, Rover was the, Rover, the yeah. make. Uh, by the time I was there, it was BMW because they were making the Mini there. Um, so just between undergraduate and postgraduate, I went and did one year in the car factory because my brother worked there, so he could get me a uh. job there. And like for a not not a graduate job, but like a short term job, it paid really well, right? Okay. Um, you know, because strong unions like good wages. <laughs> so yeah, had a good sure. a good year there, made some money, and then went to Dublin to do my post-grad in Ireland. Okay. And then gotcha. to the States after that. And then you came here, right. Yeah. And I know you came here for love. You know, we, yeah. That's well, what again, I met my wife in Ireland. Again, yeah. listen to their AMA on uh, that, that came out <laughs> uh, while on their way to the United Soccer Coaches Convention. You'll find out all about the personal lives of Daryl Grove and Taylor Rockwell. Too much, maybe too much. Uh, right? Yeah, may, maybe. It, it's you, you know what? what's funny? So, so let's talk a little bit about being a podcaster. So, okay. you know, obviously you and I have connected over the last seven years because I became a listener in, in 2013 um, was one of the first people I think to sign up for the um, the scouting network yeah. when you were talking about going full time and doing this as as a living. But um, 
but how strange is it when people come up to you and, and they they feel like they know you because they've yeah. listened to you on the radio for so long? So, yeah, this is the third year we're at the convention. The first year at the convention in 2018. At, in Philadelphia, right? In Philadelphia yeah. was the first time we experienced that. And it's, it's just amazing to like to to see that it's a real person who's listened to the show <laughs> and comes and, and knows things about you. It's, it's a great feeling, obviously. But it's also you're at a disadvantage because you know this person knows quite a lot about you but you know nothing much about them unless they've emailed or, or tweeted right. us or something yeah. we, we're, we're starting from zero you, with you, them. you might you might know who they scout in the scouting network right that's, yeah <laughs> that's, that might be about it um so talk a little bit about when you first came to the states and you know i know now from your ama that you know you started playing football when you were 10 and uh but when you came to the states you know what was your first impression of the football culture here in the u.s Actually, my first thing, specifically in Richmond, Virginia, which is where I landed, um, there was this really strong league, which I was just—I didn't research it before I, before we moved there. Meaning, you mean adult league? Adult like league, a, yeah. Adult league, yeah. This really strong adult league that I could play in with like ten divisions and a hundred teams, and yeah, I really just landed lucky. And it's like center ref, uh, two assistant referees, like everything really nicely organized. So all that was great from an amateur level. Uh, from a professional level, we had the Richmond Kickers, obviously, uh, in town. And then I think I started watching, for the first time ever, I started watching Major League Soccer on television. Um, I think DC United on like my local Comcast network right. is what I was watching. And I remember literally watching a game to watch Freddie Adu. Oh. That was the only <laughs> name that I knew. <laughs> of course. Right? Yeah. And this is young, young Freddie Adu, right? Like 2005, yeah, yeah. this yeah. is very young Freddie Adu. Well, he only played there for two seasons, I think. Yeah, right? so, exactly. Yeah. So, so did, did you did you gravitate toward the kickers when you came because you were you know just a football uh, a football fan and um, or was it mostly you know mostly the the Sunday league kind of adult league that it that was, kept your involvement in, in soccer um, to begin with more of the adult league stuff just because that's how I, that's literally how I made friends that's how I know Taylor is through playing um, playing that stuff because I didn't know anybody except my wife when I right. moved to Richmond so. That was my way to socialize and make friends. So I put a, a lot of time into it, not just because it was the only social circle I had, but also because, you know, I like playing soccer. Um, and then a lot of those guys would also go to kickers games, right? So it would be like an extension of that would be to go and Ah, gotcha. Go so and so that got you into, into kickers games. So, so what was your impression when you first walked into City Stadium, you watched the kickers play, you watched, you know, Coach Crenshaw, you know, coaching the team. Kalashaw, Lee Kalashaw. Cal Kalashaw, sorry, yeah. Lee Kalashaw. Um, how did that... Um, how was that different than when you, um, you know, went into your local, your local? I, I don't even know. Were they a non-league club or, um, you know, oh, where I'm from? Where yeah, you're from? We yeah. have a Hales are in town. Who yeah. are in the seventh or eighth tier <laughs> right. of English football? They get about 600 fans right. uh, per game. Yeah. So um, was it significantly different from the few times you may have gotten to them instead of Wolverhampton? Or uh, yeah, I mean the kickers are definitely better than Hows are in town. They would okay. beat them comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that well, that's interesting yeah. to hear. Yeah. Um, but but what was your what was your impression of the supporters culture when you first arrived and first went to your first kickers game versus you know maybe now doing Richmond Kickers weekly for yeah. uh, for your podcast? Actually, the big things that the big thing that's changed is the uh, River City Red Army. Um, so that didn't exist uh, oh, back, back okay. in the day. A lot of those guys who are very like hardcore kickers fans, I'm guessing it's because they've since had kids and maybe don't uh, can't get away as much. A lot of them were DC United fans, so a lot of their sort of um, really passionate support was spent going up 95 to watch DC, and the guys at the, kick the guys and everybody at the kickers games were families. 
was a lot. It was a very family atmosphere. I think somewhat deliberately. That's the atmosphere and the uh, the, the crowd they cultivated, right? So there's a lot of entire families watching, and it was a very quite quiet experience. Right. Like, okay. I mean, there were cheers when they scored, but it wasn't sure. rowdy at all. Right. Uh, so the big change between when I first went in 2005 to now is now you have got this loud group with drums and smoke and uh, that very uh, like loud uh, supporter culture. Sure. Yeah. And so, so we've now filled out for the first time the U.S. Soccer Pyramid, right? Having, yeah. um, if you want to call it, fourth division with League Two and and NPSL, and now you're going to have two third division leagues, right? With NISA as well as USL League League One, yeah. Which obviously, you know, you're on League One fun right now, so you clearly know that that's our interest. You know, do you, do you think that that progression and that filling out of the pyramid is, you know, what kind of effect do you think that that's going to have going forward on? Uh, on football culture in the US. So there's a really basic thing where I think more teams is better, right? Always more teams is better because there's towns that didn't have teams that now have teams and people can go and watch professional soccer or semi-professional soccer or at least competitive soccer in their city, right? The thing that worries me a little bit is the, I don't know what you call it, the sideways filling out. Um, and the idea of like League One, what, only had 10 teams last year? Right. It's going to have, what, 12? 12 this year, um, that's right. In 2020. But now it's going to have a competitor division at the same level in NISA, right? And I theoretically love the idea of NISA, but I don't like the idea of us going back to um, two leagues competing against each other. Because I think, in the end, nobody wins with that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Well, I, so, so I'm going to editorialize here a little yeah. bit. Uh, you know, I think that in that regard, it, you know, I think Nisa's fine, and I think the teams need to be in different geographic locations. So, like, if you're, you know, Chattanooga is the interesting kind of case study in this, where Chattanooga FC is going to be in Nisa, and uh, whereas Chattanooga Red Wolves are obviously in USL League One. Yeah. Um, but but when there's another another professional team, like if you're going into a, an area, like if someone goes to Boise, Idaho, and starts a Nisa team, um, you know, that team should be able to decide you know, which league best fits their needs, right? And, yeah. and ultimately, I hope the fans will support local soccer and just support that team, regardless of what league they play and who cares. Um, I mean, that that's my personal opinion. So I'm not, you know, pro, I'm not for or against NISA. I'm not for or against League One. It's more, you know, support your local team and yeah. let the ownership and the coaches but, figure out where best they should compete. In, but what if you're in leagues. Chattanooga? And someone says well, support this your is, local team. Yeah. What, what do you do? Well, so this is an issue, yeah. And we can, you know, we need to talk about that because, you know, it seems like Chattanooga FC probably had every opportunity to play in League One, but for whatever reason, they didn't want to, right? Yeah. So, that, so therefore, League One, when they found an owner willing to put a team in Chattanooga, they said yes. And I think they knew it was a viable yeah, market. So, so, so I think that that's something that hopefully we'll be able to avoid in the future. But, um, but then again, you know, there, there, there was going to be a competing team in NISA that was going to be in Philadelphia. And the Philadelphia right. obviously have a union that have, you know, their own soccer-specific stadium. Of course, the stadium's not downtown. The stadium's in Chester. It's 20 miles away. But nonetheless, it's a, you know, they have a very vibrant fan base there. Yeah. So, and a um, nice view of the river. Yeah, a very nice view of the river. So. <laughs> So Richmond Kickers Weekly, you know, thanks for having me on the show yeah, a couple of, of times. Yeah, happy to do that again as well. You know, what what did you think about the level of play and, and what are your your know your hopes for the kickers this season? So it was weird, like watching the kickers last year, um, there was some very nice passing, but it didn't penetrate enough, I think is the very basic um, analysis of what the kickers were doing last year. Um, and from what we've heard from the new coach, Darren Sawatsky, it's going to be a bit more... Um, 
whatever it takes to win, right? So there's not like a commitment to a philosophy and a style and that's just what we're committed to and we just do that until we get good enough at doing that to win games. It's, it sounds like it'll be more like, all right, if this game needs us to go, go direct and have a, a big man knock it down for someone to run onto, then that's what we do. Right. Um, so I'm kind of excited in a weird way because the kickers haven't had a, a winning season in a good long while, right? It's been at least three years, maybe more. Yeah, it's been three or four, yeah. Three or four years, yeah. Um, I'm excited to see um, if uh, new coach Sawatsky Swatsky, uh does what he promises and the kickers are just competitive no matter what. Right. Um, I'll, that'll be an interesting experience because it's been so long. It'll be interesting to see how Darren operates because I think, you know, obviously at FC Tucson, maybe there were some frustrations with when he was loaned down players from, uh, from Phoenix Rising and said, yeah. you know, you have to play these guys when he's like, well, I've only had these guys for, I only get these guys for one training session before we play, right? So it'll be interesting to see how he as a coach develops having built a roster around what he wants to do and yeah. has those same players week after week instead of ro people rotating in and out of his roster without yeah. uh, knowing so yeah so the record at Tucson wasn't good obviously yeah. um, I think what you just talked about the the up and down with Phoenix is probably the reason I know that was a, a frustration um, but I've also I've just heard because he, he was with the Seattle Seattle's Academy Seattle's under right. 23s I yep. think at some point that's right yeah um, and just he uh, helped Jordan Morris right he was Jordan right. Morris's coach for a little while so and, I've just and, heard and, yeah. good things about Coach Swatsky from people who were out there, so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited just based on what I've heard. Well, that's great. So, um, so you're you're covering uh, you know EPL right now, but yeah. pretty soon you'll be back into covering Major League Soccer and yeah. as well as uh, as well as the, the rest of the the soccer pyramid in the U.S. Um, you know, if people want to get in touch with you guys, you know, what's the best way to do that? Uh, probably Twitter's a good place. Uh, just at Total Soccer Show. You can always go to our website totalsoccershow.com. There's a contact form on there um, to send us an email. Um, I guess the thing we want everyone to do is listen, right? So yeah. you find us uh, wherever you get your podcast, search for Total Soccer Show, and we'll be there. Not only the Total Soccer Show, though, you have another show that um, you know I use, I'm going to re-listen to, actually, before the League One season starts, because Soccer 101 yeah. also has How to Watch a Game for Tactics. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a great episode that I'm going to re-listen to to remind myself you know, how I should do it. So great. The, how did the... It, I, I know, another tangent, and I was, <laughs> I was about to finish our conversation, but how do... Uh, how did you come up with the idea, you and Taylor, for Soccer 101? So it mostly came from, um, we get um, listener questions about some of these things, like what is a Penenka, right? right? And we'd answer the listener question, and then a year later, we'd get the same question. And we couldn't just say, hey, go back and listen to this episode from a year ago. Sometimes we didn't even know where that episode was. So we kind of thought, instead of... Because a lot of what we do is timely, right? Like sure. a review of a game that just happened, but some stuff is timeless. So we sort of thought, let's get all the timeless content and have it as one show, right? And then it hopefully it becomes a resource where if you want the answers to certain questions, they should eventually all be in this all be in this feed. I have to say, I was very disappointed when you didn't resurrect your answer to my question about Johan Cruyff's legacy, and you redid the whole show. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, hopefully we expanded it more, right? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's no 100%. Hey, Daryl Grove from the Total soccer show and soccer 101 thanks very much for being on uh, league one fun i'm a jersey from league one fun thank you for having me <laughs>